Take your Bibles, turn back to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to be looking this morning um, at the story of Jonah. And we're going to be looking at signs that we're running from God. I believe that, that, uh, that there are signs in our lives that we can see that will show us that we're headed in the wrong direction. And that's the story of Jonah, isn't it? At least the beginning of the story. Uh, Jonah is given instruction by God, and Jonah doesn't want to go where God told him to go. And uh, he, he, runs from, he runs from God, and he, he goes the, the exact opposite direction. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever driven down the wrong way, on the, in the, down the wrong street? Some, you know what happens when you see that? You see a sign. It says, wrong way. <laughs> Years ago, I used to work on a bus ministry uh, in, in, in Ohio, back at the uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Ohio, uh, New Philadelphia, Ohio. And uh, one day, we were, heading up, we were heading down the interstate, and I watched this car drive up. And this little old man in the, in the driver's seat of the car pull up uh, on the on-ramp and then turned left. And I thought, that's not right. <laughs> As we continued on down the interstate, I thought, I really hope that he gets off at the next exit. I never heard about any accidents. Uh, uh, we were already past that point. It wasn't, uh, we weren't going to turn around the bus and chase him down. Uh, but, uh, but, but on the interstate, there are signs to tell you if you're going the wrong way. Same as in life. There are things that will, that will show us that we might just be headed the wrong way. In fact, I, I, as we look at Jonah's life, uh, there, were, there were signs in his life that if he had just stopped and examined these things, it would have pointed to him that he was going the wrong way. And the truth is, at some point in time in our life, we all head down the wrong way. But he wasn't just making a wrong choice. He was running from God. When I moved to Maine... Maine is a beautiful state, but when I moved to Maine, I was running from God. Now, this is ultimately where God wanted me to be, but it's funny how when our plans, uh, our plans are to get away from God, and God still shows up, and God's will still works out. Works out. It's the same thing happens in Jonah's life. Let's read the first five verses again. Uh, we'll pray, because I need the Lord's help this morning. I always need the Lord's help, and uh, then we're going to get into uh, the six signs that we have that that uh, we're running from God. It says there, there in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from, from, the, to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the example that's given to us of Jonah, Lord, here. And Lord, I know in my times of my life, I've run from you, Lord, and I've been in that place, Lord. Just like Jonah, Lord, spiritually, I was asleep. And God, I thank you that just like Jonah, you gave me a second chance. But God, I pray, Lord, that you would help me now as we, as we uh, preach your word. Lord, I, I, I need your power. Lord, I need your... I need your words, not mine. God, I, I need your help. 
So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Help our, our minds to be focused upon your word, not to be distracted about what's going on later today or, or, or anything that Satan might try to distract us with. I pray that you'd place a hedge of, uh, about this, this, this place, a hedge about our minds, Lord, that, uh, that you would have your way, your will done in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be tender to the working of your spirit, Lord, that you might, that you might convict us, Lord, that we, might, that we might open up our hearts and eyes, Lord, and, and, and come to you humbly, Lord, and understand that, that uh, your way is the only way. It's, it's, the, it's the best way. God, I, I pray that you would work in a great many ways. If there's one here today that doesn't know for sure where they'll spend eternity, God, I pray that today might be that day. Lord, that they might be saved, not because of my preaching, Lord, but because of the gospel. Lord, because of your saving grace, Lord, because of your grace and your mercy, Lord, may you help them to see their need of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jonah here in verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now this isn't the only time that God spoke to Jonah. In the book of 2 Kings, if we were to find, if you were to look it up, he actually prophesies about Israel widening their borders and God blessing the nation of Israel back in the, back in the, there in 2 Kings. And God spoke to Jonah there. And man, listen, if you preach and say God's going to bless you and then God blesses you, don't you think he was well liked? It was a, and we like to hear those messages. God can give you strength and God can give you peace and God, there is power in prayer. We love those messages. We don't like to hear messages about sin in our lives. Uh, because when we hear messages about sin in our lives, that means something's got to change. And we, we hate that stuff. I, I, nobody likes to change, at least not in that way. Nobody likes to be confronted with their, their sin. And God has given uh, Jonah a job here. He says, the word of the Lord came unto, un, unto Jonah, uh, the son of Amittai. And, says, it says, and this is the word. It says, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city. Now, uh, just for history's sake, so you understand who Nineveh, who the people of Nineveh are, they, they're not the friends of Israel. This isn't a city in Israel of, 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 of fellow believers or fellow uh, Israelites. Uh, these are the enemies uh, of Israel. God used the people of, 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 uh, of Nineveh, the, the, I believe it was the Amalekites, to, to, to attack and to, to, uh, uh, to, to punish the people of Israel at, at times. Uh, and, and they weren't friends, and they were a wicked, evil people. They rejected God. They, they, uh, uh, and when they came in and they, did, they, they destroyed a the city, they destroyed the city. Uh, there were literally, uh, there, 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 history tells us that, that uh, when they would leave a city, they would leave the skulls of everybody outside in a big pile. Because they killed them all. They, they, they were a terrible, wicked people. And, and this was somebody that, that Jonah didn't like. And God said, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, the city of Nineveh isn't a small city. It's not a small town. It's, in fact, at that time, it was the largest known city. Later, in the book of Jonah, we see that it talks about that there were six score people there who didn't know the left hand or the right hand. They believed that those were children. So six score, that's, that's 120,000 children that lived in the city of Nineveh, let alone the number of, the number of adults that were there. Just imagine that. And God was telling Jonah to go and to, to preach the people of Nineveh. Now, what was, he, what was the message he was supposed to give them? That God's going to destroy this city. That's a hard message. But Jonah didn't want to do it. It doesn't tell us why here. It does later. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But, but 
but Jonah, throughout this whole book, uh, uh, I was talking to Brother Donnie yesterday. He mentioned something to me. He says, man, I don't like the way the book ends. Because even though in the end Jonah goes and he, he, he preaches, he still has a rotten attitude about what he did. And, 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 and we'll get into that and come back this afternoon because we're going to still be in the book of Jonah. We're, we're going to continue on uh, with this. But Jonah ran from God. He did the exact opposite thing. If you, I don't have a map. I wish I, I wish I did. But if you could look at a map, you would see where Joppa was, where Jonah had to go down, go, go south to go to Joppa to get on a boat. Well, north of that was Nineveh. In Joppa was about 500, sorry, uh, Nineveh was about 500 miles north of where Joppa was. Say, well, that's a long distance to travel. Well, Jonah wasn't in Nineveh. He was kind of in between in Israel. But he went down south to go to Joppa to get on a boat that was going to take him 2,000 miles across all of all of Europe to uh, pass Italy, pass on to the other, completely all the way over to Nineveh. Or all the way over to Tarshish. He went, went away from God as far as he could absolutely go. Because he didn't want to do what God had called him to do. He was running away from God. Now, what are these signs that we, that we, that we can see where we're, we're running away from God? The first thing I see here is, is Jonah ignored God's word. Verse 2 says, this, or verse 1 says that the word of, the, the word of God came to under Jonah. This is again, this isn't the first time he's heard from God. God's spoken to him before, and before he's obeyed. But this time he's ignoring or rejecting the word of God. He he said, I, I don't like what God has to say for me here, so I'm gonna go do something else. Have you ever done that before? The word of God, uh, it, it got, listen, God speaks to us in many ways. Now, now if you hear, if, if there's a big booming voice. And, and you hear the voice of God like Jonah heard, you probably should uh, go talk to a doctor. Because <laughs> God doesn't speak to us that way. If you have a vision where God speaks to you in a vision, stop eating late at night because God doesn't speak to us that way. The, the, the Word of God tells us that, that, uh, that God speaks to us through this book. Jonah didn't have this book. But this is the, the word of God from beginning to end. This is how God speaks to us. The Bible says all scripture is given by God and is, is profitable for, uh, is, it is profitable unto us. Uh, it's, it's good to, it's good to uh, uh, instruct us. It's good to correct us. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it's good. It's all we need to, to help us to be mature as a, as a Christian, as a child of God. We don't need anything else. Nothing else. This is how God speaks to us. How many times as Christians do we ignore the word of God? We can ignore it in a lot of ways. Some people ignore the Bible because they leave it sitting on their table and they never pick it up and read it. They may pick it up and they carry it to church. Uh, as a kid, I used to do that. I had, uh, I, and, and sometimes our kids do that, right? They, they have a Bible and they're, they're given a Bible. All my kids have Bibles. Uh, we, we've bought them all Bibles. Uh, but sometimes you find that Bible and it sits there. I want to make sure my, my place is marked. It sits there when they bring it home on Sunday and they set it down. And it's in the same place the next Sunday when they go to get it. I know where it's at. Well, you know where it's at because you never. You, it's right where you left it. It should it, Listen, this book should be something that's precious to us. This is the word of God that we're to read and to study. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. The Bible says that, uh, that, that this book is, should be something that we love. It's something that, that, that's here to cleanse us. 
The Bible says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto, according to thy word. This book is something very important to us, or should be. But many, th the Bible says, this is one of Brother, Brother Earl's favorite verses. Thy word is pure, therefore thy servant, what is it, Brother Earl? Loveth it. It should be something that, that we hold to, that we, we desire to read, but, but we ignore it. Listen, if you don't read it, God isn't speaking to you. At least not through his word. God speaks to us in a few ways. Sometimes he speaks to us through his word. Sometimes he speaks to us through somebody else bringing his word to us. Whether it's a, a preacher, a pastor, or whether it's somebody coming alongside saying, Brother, I haven't seen you at church in a while. And can I share something to you? The Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens. Sometimes he sends people. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, 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 but, 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 but I want you to understand something. If we ignore the word of God, there's a problem. And that, that ignorance, uh, that ignoring of the word of God or, or the rejecting of the word of God is a, a first sign that we're running from God. I, 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 years ago, back before I moved to Maine, I was in Ohio. I was working in church, faithfully serving every single Sunday. And there came a point in time when one day I, I moved. Now, it didn't happen suddenly. It seemed like suddenly to everybody. We, we, we visited my brother in Maine. Uh, my brother is a pastor uh, in another town here, and we came up on vacation to visit him. And while I was up here, he talked me into uh, putting an application in place. I got a job offer that same day. They said, as long as, as long as your background check comes in and everything's clear, we'd like to have you come work with us. And I said, okay, we'll see what happens. I was like, mm, whatever. I went home two weeks later, I got a phone call. They said, when can you be here? I said, give me two weeks. I need, I need, I need, or three weeks. I said, I need two weeks to give my, my notice and a week to pack and drive up, uh, drive up there. My dad said, have you prayed about this? I said, sure I have. I had not prayed about this. I had not asked God for his direction. You know what I was doing? I was running from God. I was trying to leave the life behind. I didn't come up here and find a good church and get involved in a good church. I came up here and got away as, as far away from church as I could. Uh, I was Jonah. But it didn't start with me moving up here. It didn't start with a job offer. It started with me ignoring the word of God. Stopping, I, I stopped reading the word of God. I stopped listening to the preaching. I, I, I was there. I, I heard the preaching. But there's a difference between hearing the word of God and listening to the word of God preached. See, you might be here hearing me speak, but ignoring everything that I say. Listen, don't listen to what I had to say. Listen to what the word of God has to say and what God is saying to you, because he'll speak to me through, my, through, the, through the preaching of the word of God. But he also speaks to directly to our hearts at times. You ever been under conviction? I can't convict you. I could be the greatest speech giver or orator, whatever the word is. I'm, obviously, I'm not that, right? I could be the greatest of all time. I could be the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon. But if the word of the Spirit of God doesn't move your heart, I actually like this being back here. I can walk in front of the pulpit now. This is awesome. James II said, no, don't do it. <laughs> it's, I, I can be the greatest preacher, but if the word of God, the spirit of God doesn't move your heart, or if it does and you completely ignore it, then you're ignoring the word of God. The people of Israel heard from God all the time, but what did he call them? Stiff-necked, hard-hearted. We can have the same problem as the people of Israel. We can ignore the word of God by not reading it. 
We can ignore the word of God by not listening to it. We can ignore the word of God by not heeding it. The book of James tells us that we are to, not to be uh, hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. It doesn't do any good to hear the preaching of the word, to understand what God is telling you to do, and then say, eh, I don't think I'll do that. Can I tell you, Jonah knew what God said. It was He wasn't confused. It wasn't a mistake. He understood the word of God. He knew what God wanted him to do, and he said, no. When you hear the word of God, when God speaks to you, when, whether it's through the reading of the word or the preaching of the word, God tells you, and you, you're convicted, there's a moving in your heart, and you say no, can I tell you, that is as rebellious as we can get. And that's a sign that we're running from God. Say, so, well, that's not a bad place to be. It's a terrible place to be. I don't want to be out of God's will. Say, hey, the, the, the lost people, they're out of God's will. They're, they're not saved. They're not reading the Bible. And look at them. They're doing great. Can I tell you what their end's going to be like? Asaph, in the book of Psalms, said the same thing. He said, it, man, it killed him to look at, the, look at everybody and see how they were prospering. And then and look at himself. He was trying to live right and trying to do everything. And, and it, just, it, it, it just was overwhelming him. He was so jealous. And says, until he considered their end. So he entered into the sanctuary, he considered their end. He, he came to the place of God and he realized, okay, I understand. Yes, that's where their life is now, but life is like a, a, a blade of grass. It's going to wither and pass away. And then they're going to stand before God. The first sign of that we're running from God is that we are ignoring his word. We don't like what it says to us. We don't love, we don't love it as we should. We ignore it. We reject it. We rebel against it. The second thing that I see here in, this, in, in the book of Jonah, not just in these five verses, but is the second sign that we're running from God is that we have a hidden sin in our life. We have a hidden sin in our life. Say, well, Jonah was a prophet of God. He couldn't have any sin in his life. That's just a lie. Prophets of God, pastors, preachers, praise God that God can use broken and sinful people. That's, just, that, that's all it is. They're not super Christians. We don't have a, we don't have a, a handle on perfection. God, just like Paul said, just like Paul said that he had not yet attained. You read the book of Romans, he said, the things that I know that are right that I would do, I don't do them. That's Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament. I'm no Paul. <laughs> Neither was Jonah. He wasn't perfect. So what was his sin? We don't see it here. Well, one, he's running away from God, but why was he running from God? Turn over to Jonah chapter 4 with me real quick. And look at verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto the Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than live. What's he upset about? God spared Nineveh. He went and preached, and there was a great revival. And, amen, the, the people turned from their sin, and they turned to God. They, they prayed, they fasted, they, they tore off their clothes, they put on sackcloth and ashes, and, and they fasted until God, until seeking mercy from God, and God spared them. 
And Moses, and, and this is what Jonah said. I knew that was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to come here in the first place. What preacher preaches any kind of message and is upset that the people hear, hear, listen, and turn to God? One who hates. And he hated, he had a hatred in him for the people of Nineveh. So much so that he didn't want to see them get right. He wanted God to destroy them. The reason he didn't go and warn them in the first place is because he knew God was merciful. And if they heard and they turned to God, that God would not, that God would spare them. That's what he just told us. Now, you have to understand something. Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. He's revealing to us his thoughts. Can I tell you, we all know that hatred is a sin. What did Jesus say? That we hate a man in our heart? It's just like murder. They'll say, well, this was before Jesus. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God knows what's in our hearts. Does God hate the people of Nineveh? No. God hated their sin. And sin must be judged. But God sent Jonah to tell of God's mercy. To tell of God's coming judgment. Just like today. Listen, we're all sinners. We all are going to stand before God. Listen, we live in a world that's going to stand before God one day. God's going to judge them. But God sent somebody, all of us, to tell of his mercy and his grace and of his judgment. We get caught up in the love of God a lot. And listen, we should be, I am so thankful for God's love and God's goodness. If God wasn't a God of love, there would have been no Christ on the cross. There would have been no propitiation. There would have been no payment. There would have been uh, no, no hope. But if we don't know about the judgment, why do we need hope? If we don't know that, there's, that we're going to stand before God one day. So, 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 so here it is. This is the secret sin in Jonah's life. His hatred for the people of Nineveh. Secret sin in your life? Well, nobody's ever going to find out. Jonah could have thought that too. But we all know about it. The Bible's the Bible was written and it was inspired by God, written and spread all across the world. Uh, the Jews read this every year. Uh, the, the Book of Jonah is read every year in, in, in the, during a Jewish holiday uh, to remind the people that they shouldn't run from God. Can I tell you that it's not secret anymore? The Book of Numbers tells us, "Be sure your sin will find you out." So nobody will know. Yes, they will. God will reveal it. God will reveal your sin. See, God doesn't just look on, on our outward appearance like, like everybody else does. God doesn't just see, see the things that we allow people to see. God is there all the time. God is everywhere. God sees what you do. He knows what you think. He sees in our hearts. And the Bible says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Only God can. There is no secret sin. Many times we, we will put on a show of, of, of righteousness, a, 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 a facade, uh, you might say. The, the Pharisees were really good about that in the, in the, in the New Testament. Jesus said they were, they were like whited sepulchers. If you've seen a whited sepulcher, it's a, it's a tomb that's painted white. It looks, it looks good from the outside, nice and fancy. But on the inside, it's just full of dead man's bones. You have secret sin in your life that you hide from everybody else, your spouse, your, your friends, your, uh, your church, uh, uh, maybe from everybody. You're the only one that knows about it. And listen, 
When I was a kid, I was a good kid. When I say I ran, when I ran from God, I was good on the outside. In my heart was the problem. Up until I left, I, I, my, my Sundays were busier than anybody else's because I, I served at the church all day, teaching classes in the choir, run, running the bus, working the bus. I was busy. The problem was here that nobody knew about. There's secret sin in your life. That's a sign that you're wandering away from the Lord, that you're running from God. And listen, it's not something I can see. It's not something I could look, I could, I could look at Brother Zach and say, Zach, I know your sin, because I don't. I'm picking on you because you're in the front, brother. He's never going to sit there again. That's why you all sat in the back. <laughs> I, I can't see those things, but God can. And if God is showing you, we're revealing to you that there is sin in your life that you've hidden from everybody else. One, he's speaking to you, but two, that's a sign that, we've run, that we're running from God. Now listen, there are things that we all struggle with. But Paul tells us to, to set aside those weights and the sin that so easily besets us. Sometimes we, we have those things, we're struggling to try to set them aside. We, we're, we're trying to have victory over those things, and, and man, we should. And we can have victory through Christ. Doesn't mean we won't stumble and fall again. Because we're, because we're in this flesh, we will stumble and fall. But we're to strive for perfection. We're to strive for holiness. Paul said, or Peter said, be ye holy, for I am holy. I'm not saying you get a pass just because we still have flesh and we can do what we want. We can strive for holiness. But when we happily live with that secret sin and it affects us, and we never try to overcome it, can I tell you, that's a sign of running from God. Number three, number three, we ne neglect our evangelistic responsibility. What, did God, what was the message that God told Jonah? His message was to go and preach this message to the people of Nineveh. Uh, 120,000 at least, and there were, uh, that's just children. There could have been uh, close to a million people in that city. And, and, and Man, what a blessing would it be to see a million people get saved. Man, I'd be just glad if the 18,000 people here in Augusta got saved uh, through, through the revival that we're having come up here. In, 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 uh, and listen, God could do it. I'm not going to put a limit on what God could do. But see, they won't do it unless you go. They won't do it unless you take your responsibility. Do we have responsibility to go out and tell the world? If you're saved, you absolutely have the responsibility to share the gospel. Now, there are lots of ways to do it. You can, you can take a pie over to your neighbor and, and sit down and have a conversation and work the gospel into that conversation. You can, you can, uh, you can uh, uh, go down the street and uh, you can uh, go to work and sit down with one of your coworkers that you become friends with. Uh, you can, there, there are a million different ways. There is no limit on how you can preach the gospel. Sometimes we think that the, it's, it's relegated to us knocking on doors. And listen, I'm not knocking... I'm not knocking, knocking on doors. Uh, we, we, we can and, and, and we, we should get the gospel out that way because, listen, we're not going to run into 18,000 people at your job, at your job place. Let's, let's get out there and do something. But we have a responsibility. Why? Because people are dying and going to hell. Forty days from the time that Jonah got to, to Nineveh, he said, in 40 days, God's going to destroy this place. If he had never gotten there, they never would have heard and God would have destroyed the place. 
If they had never heard, there was a time limit. Can I tell you there is a time limit today? It's appointed that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. People die every single day, whether it's from coronavirus or, or any other virus or car accidents, or it's just their time. People die every single day, and many of those people that die will spend an eternity in hell because nobody ever shared the gospel with them. Maybe because we didn't share the gospel with them. There, we have a responsibility. If you're shirking your response, say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I, you know, I, I, I'm afraid. The Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of sound mind. The Bible says we're to cast all of our fears upon him, for he careth for us. Listen, I'm not saying that we don't worry sometimes. I'm not saying that we don't get afraid and we don't get nervous. But we don't do it in our own strength and our own power. We do it in the strength and the power of God as, as he leads us and guides us. But if we're shirking that responsibility, can I tell you, that is a sign of running or being away from God. Well, I just don't know how. The Holy Spirit will make you a fisher of men. Jesus will make you a fisher of men. Jesus told the disciples, I will make you to become a fisher of men. You know how you become a fisher of men? It isn't joining some class. It isn't going to a lecture on how to tell people about Jesus. You get into this book and you study this book and you know what salvation is and you begin to learn the doctrines of these truths and, and you realize what God has done in your life and then you begin to share those things, what God has done for you. And it can just be start as simple as giving your testimony uh, to other people. But we are supposed to not only be able to give the gospel, but to defend the gospel. Paul, when he was in prison, brought everybody that would come and sit there and he defended the gospel of Jesus Christ in his home, which was his jail cell. He spent an entire day going through the scriptures. How many scriptures do you know that you can show somebody how they can be saved? I'm not saying you have to have the whole thing memorized, but it, it's good to understand it. It's good to be able to know, again, study to show thyself approved. We have, a, we have the responsibility to share the gospel, but when, when we neglect that responsibility... It's a sign that we're running from God. It's a sign that we're away from God. Number four, deliberate disobedience. Deliberate disobedience. Look at verse three. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish. That word but indicates that Jonah knew exactly what God had told him to do. It wasn't a secret. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a puzzle that he had to figure out. There, uh, there wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, there was no confusion to it. God said, "Do this," and Jonah said, "No, I'm going to go here." Again, if you if you look at, at where 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 uh, Jonah Jonah was when he went down to Joppa, the Bible tells us to go down into a boat to go to Tarshish. He was going as far away from the Spirit of God as he could be. He was trying to get away from God and get away from God's Word and, and as if he thought he could hide himself there. And we'll look at this in a minute, but you can't hide from God. He did exactly the opposite of what God said. Deliberate disobedience to the Word of God is a sign that you're running from God. 
If you know what God wants you to do and you refuse to do it, we can call it disobedience. Can I tell you, disobedience is just a nice word for rebellion. We like to do that, right? It used to be uh, that you were a drunk, now you're an alcoholic. It used to be, uh, it used to be that you were, we take things that were once wicked and evil and we, we, we make them sound better so that it's more acceptable today. Can I tell you, it's still unacceptable to God. Disobedience, direct disobedience, when you know what God wants you, wants you to do, isn't just not doing what's right. It's rebellion against God. And when we begin to rebel against the, the, the obvious commands of Scripture, can I tell you that that is a sign that you're running from God. In fact, at that point, you're, you're well down the road of running from God. Not going to church. Well, not going to church, is that really disobedience? The Bible says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Well, do we got to be there all the time? If you miss a service, I don't think you're in sin. But if you have no desire to be there, I think there's a problem. If you put everything else before serving God and before, before coming to church, there's a problem. Loving your brother, serving your brother, sister in Christ, humbling yourself. Listen, when we, when we push back against the word of God, we're in trouble. It's a sign that we're running from God. Number five, for sake of time, when we run from God's purpose. When we run from God's purpose, God's purpose for Jonah, uh, we, we see it in verse two, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Uh, that's God's purpose for Jonah at this point in time. And Jonah ran as fast and as far as he could. Do you know God has a purpose for your life? Every single one of you. I don't care how young or how old. The Bible says, the Bible says about uh, Jeremiah the prophet before uh, uh, I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He, he, called, he knew that he was going to be a prophet of God before he was ever born. God knows exactly what he wants for you. Before I moved to Maine, God knew, before I moved to Maine to get away from God, God knew he wanted me to be a pastor in Maine. If he had told, if he had told me that I was going to go to Maine to be a pastor, I would have moved to California. I was running from God. Can I tell you, God has a way of, he knows how things are working. God's sovereignty is all over this book. Well, it's, not part of, it's not really the message today, but can I tell you, God's sovereignty is all over this book. God, brought, God prepared a storm. God prepared a fish. God prepared a gourd. And God prepared a worm. Can I tell you, all of that was God working in the life of Jonah. Even the, the tiniest little worm at the end of the book. He prepared it for Jonah. God brought me here. I didn't think this was where God wanted me to be. If it was, I would have gone the other way. God has a purpose for your life. If you're running from the purpose that God has for you, listen, it may not be to be a pastor of a church. Not everybody is gifted and called to be a pastor. And I'm not saying I'm gifted. We're all gifted. The Holy Spirit has given all of us gifts according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Some are pastors, some are teachers, some, are, some, are, some, are, some have the gift of giving, others have the gift of helps. I mean, there's, there's many different gifts that God gives to us that, that is given to profit the body of Christ, the, the church, uh, uh, all together. It's not, for my, it's not for my benefit, it's not for your benefit, it's for the, 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 the benefit of the church. 
If we're not using that gift, and if we're running for whatever God has gifted you to do, God's purpose in your life, whether it's his master purpose for your life or just this thing right now, you know what you're supposed to do and I don't want to do it, it's a sign that you're running from God. But can I tell you, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an exercise in futility. Number one, it's irresponsible to flee. It's irresponsible to flee. Jonah fled. Why was that irresponsible? Because God had a, had a job for him to do, and there were upwards to a, possibly a million lives that were on the line. It was irresponsible. It was irresponsible for Jonah to flee. Why? Because if he didn't do it, somebody else would have, God would have sent somebody else. But it was his job. What happens when, what is it when you, if you go to work and you shirk your responsibility, what do they call that? Irresponsible. Now, can, can, I, can I tell you, God would have put somebody else there if Jonah had never, if Jonah was going to refuse. But thank God for second chances. Thank God. Goodness, I, I praise God for second chances. The only reason I'm breathing is because not only does God give us second chances, he can give us third, fourth, and fifth, and because his mercy is everlasting. And he is long-suffering. Why? Because he's good. It's his nature. But it's irresponsible to, to shirk uh, our, 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 our God's plan or, or God's purpose or God's calling upon our life. Some people do it because they just never start. God has, God has placed something before them. They, they know God wants them to do something. Uh, God wants them to serve. Uh, it's all in Scripture that, that, that we're all to serve, in, in serve one another and, and to serve him. And if we never start, that's shirking our responsibility. Sometimes they, they start and they quit. Right? Uh, they, they get started and it's not really, it's not the, the glamorous thing that they were hoping for. It's, it's, it's harder than they thought. Uh, there's not as many people that are serving as they thought. So, you know what? I'm just going to quit. That's fleeing the purpose God has for you. Just because somebody else quit doesn't mean it's okay for you to quit. Back in the Civil War, when they, and they used to fight crazy. Uh, when I say that, uh, the way that they used to fight battles in the Civil War and in the Revolutionary War was just absolutely nuts. I cannot imagine walking, walking out, uh, marching out with my, with my musket that I can only fire once, so it's got a bayonet, and then it takes me 30 seconds or, or whatever to, to reload it. I cannot w imagine walking out uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a battalion of uh, people, a line, and standing in front of another line, and you all just stand there and shoot at each other. I don't like getting paintball shot at me like that. Uh, I'll hide behind something. I can't imagine. But listen, it only takes one person to break rank. And you know what used to happen? They would, they would stand there, they'd fire, they'd look, and they'd see some, the others would fire, they'd look around, they'd see some of their people, and guess what would happen? Well, I don't want to be here anymore, and they'd take off running. And then pretty soon the whole line caves. Why? Because one person running leads to two people running, and two people running lead to three people running, and then before long, nobody's left standing there. Can I tell you how many churches have closed because people ran? People quit. Man, churches that are, Maine is full of beautiful old churches. Man, in Vassalboro, where I live, there is a beautiful old white church. It's not a church any longer, it's empty, it's dilapidated, it's fallen down. It was bought several years ago by, by a man who wanted the bell. That's the whole reason he bought it. Now it just sits there and it's rotten and falling apart. Somebody built that church. 
Somebody put that massive, beautiful bell up there. And listen, it wasn't cheap. There was a community of people that were serving God and loved God. And God was working at that point in time. I mean, it was amazing what God was doing because people were getting saved. But now it's just an empty building. Falling down and you can't even enter in because the floorboards won't hold you up. What happened? Somebody ran. Somebody else ran. This pastor got tired because people started quitting. He quit. Somebody else came in. Listen, this happens all over the time. And churches are closing all the time. Why? Because people are quitting. Not quitting church and not quitting on, on one another. They're quitting on God. And they're running and they're fleeing their purpose. Can I tell you, don't quit. This church could be just like any other church. We are not a special group of people. Yes, we're special in the eyes of God, but we got nothing on any other church. We have the Spirit of God, praise God, there are saved people here, people are faithful, but it takes one or two or three or four or five to get tired and to, and to quit, and then suddenly there's nobody here. And this building, if there's nobody here, won't. This is, the building isn't the church, by the way, we are the church. But this building, which once was a place where this church met, will fall apart. And it won't take long. <laughs> Ceiling tiles will start falling. That rock that used to sit up there over the pulpit, praise the Lord, it's not there anymore. That would have fallen down and crashed to the floor. What's that? I thought they moved it. <laughs> that was before my time, praise the Lord. But listen, it'll just be a symbol of what once was. Why? Because people quit and they left. Don't run. It's irresponsible to flee. Not only is it irresponsible to flee from God, but it's insanity. It's insanity. It's crazy to think that you can get away from God. He, he, he went down to the ship, or he went down to Joppa, and bought passage on the ship to go to Tarshish. A 2,000-mile journey that he would have got there, and guess what? If he had landed in Tarshish, he would have got there and walked out, and God still would have been there. David said, listen, you can ascend up into heaven, and God is there. You can ascend down to the depths of hell, and God is there. There's nowhere that you can go that you can get away from God. Nowhere. Conviction, that, that burden that you carry with us, if you're convicted of your sin, you walk out of here, it's, it's still out there. It isn't, it isn't confined to a geographical place. God created all of this. And he's speaking to you directly. It's insanity to try to flee. And it's impossible. There's nowhere you can go. Number six, lastly, one where the first sign is that we ignore the word of God. The second is that we have hidden sin in our lives. The third is that we neglect uh, our responsibility to evangelize the world. The fourth is direct or deliberate disobedience. Fifth is that we're running from the God's plan or purpose for our life. And number six, we disregard God's correction. And this is the most dangerous place that you can be as a child of God. Verse 5 tells us, uh, we, we read it earlier, verse 5 says, Then the mariners were afraid. Why, why are they afraid? Because there's a storm. And not just any storm, but one that's going to destroy that boat. 
The Bible says that they were afraid that it was going to be broken up in verse 4. Now they're, they're terrified. They're, they're doing everything they can to, to try to, to, to save themselves. They've taken their wares. Listen, back then, they, 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 their profit on that, that ship line would have come from, not from passengers. This wasn't a cruise ship. This was, this was a, they were transporting goods from one place to another. And, and it was a 2,000-mile journey, so they were expecting a big payday. They, I don't know what they had on there, but it was worth a lot of money. And because they thought they were going to lose their life. They'd rather have their life than their money. So they took everything they had, their wares, and they threw it overboard to lighten the ship because they hoped that would save them. But it didn't help. It got to the point where they're crying out to their gods, each one of them. Listen, these weren't saved, these weren't men of Israel. These weren't, these weren't Hebrews. They weren't following Jehovah. They were following their own gods. And, and, and so they were all crying out to their gods and they're, they're there. Where's Jonah? He's down in the bottom of the boat and he is asleep. He's completely ignorant to the fact that there is a storm and that his life is in danger. That is the most dangerous place that any Christian can be. They're, 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 in, God, they're, they're in the midst of God's correction in their life and they're ignorant to it. Because they're, they're spiritually, they're, they're subdued, they're, they're asleep, they're, they're just at rest in their sin and they don't understand that God's trying to get their attention. Can I tell you, if that's you, that is a dangerous place to be. I'm thankful that God corrects us, uh, chastens us when we're in sin. Hebrews tells us that he chastens whom he loves. If you're a child of God and you're away from God, he is chastening. He will chasten you. It's not punishment. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to bring you back in line with his will. He's trying to bring you back into fellowship with him. The whole purpose of chastening is to correct us and to, to put us back on the path that God would have for our lives. God was brought about this storm. It wasn't, it didn't just, it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't just bad weather. It says in verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea. God put it there for Jonah. But he was asleep and didn't even know it. The most dangerous place we can be as a Christian and the sixth sign, the sixth sign that we're running from God is that we disregard God's correction in our lives. And when we get to that point in our lives, it's a dangerous place to be. Listen, all throughout Scripture, we can, if we, if, if you can study character, uh, I say character, they're, they're, they weren't characters, they're people. But person after person throughout the biblical history, and you see uh, when there was sin in their life, uh, many times they didn't necessarily listen right away. And when that happened, there was more correction. And listen, it didn't just affect him. It affected everybody that was around him. Jonah was in that boat sleeping, ignorant to it, but there was a whole boatload of people that thought they were going to die, that lost all that they had, and, and it was just praying and hoping that their lives were going to be spared. But Jonah was asleep. Is there correction going on in your life? Is, there, is God trying to chasten you? Is God trying to get your attention? Because I can tell you, that's what God does. See, God doesn't, isn't, again, trying to punish us when we're in this position. God, God's desire is to, to chasten us, to bring us back. I don't have time to get into the, to go through the rest of the message, but I want you to see that God does a few things to get our attention. One, he sends storms in our lives. He sent this storm into Jonah's life to, 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 uh, to shake things up a bit. Jonah slept through it. 
What happens next? The captain comes down and wakes him up. He says, what are you doing? Are you sleeping? How can you be asleep? Sometimes God sends people into our lives to wake us up. A pastor or a Christian brother or sister in Christ, maybe even a stranger, but God will send somebody into your life that will to, to, to wake you up, to, to, to get you to, 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 to pay attention. Sometimes he, he touches somebody in our life and they, they get caught up in, in, in our chastening. What, uh, listen to David. Uh, David's child uh, died as a result of David's sin. David's wife, uh, Bathsheba, uh, yes, part of that sin, but she suffered in all of that. Listen, sometimes uh, that God will do that to get our attention. It's part of his plan for their life. But, but man, God's trying to get us to wake up, to pay attention. And to come home. He sends somebody to us. He, he, uh, he'll expose our sin. And, uh, when, and Jonah comes up. They explain to him that they're praying to their gods. And Jonah says, oh, I know why this is happening. And uh, they cast lots. Do you remember? And the lots fell on Jonah. And Jonah, they said, what has happened? Why, why has this happened? What, what have you done? And Jonah had to admit what had happened. Listen, God, God will get to a point sometimes in our lives where he will expose the sin in your life to try to wake you up. He's not trying to destroy your marriage. Your sin is destroying your marriage. He's not trying to destroy your children. Your sin is destroying your children. He's not trying to make your life fall apart. That would be the sin in your life. And he may expose you and think that's going to destroy it. No, God can heal those things. God will do these things to wake us up. He exposes our sin. And then he might even touch you physically. If you continue to resist, he may touch you physically. What happened? Jonah could have thrown himself overboard. He knew what the whole issue was. In fact, he said, hey, if you throw me overboard, the storm will cease. And they said, no, 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 we can't do that because they're humans. And they thought, we don't want to kill this guy and bring wrath upon ourselves. It's already bad enough. Jonah could have very well said, hey, guys, you know what? I don't want to make this harder for you. See you later. Plop. Splash. Gurgle, gurgle. He didn't. He put it on them. He said, if you, throw me overboard. And what did they, eventually what did they do? Said, All right. <laughs> they grabbed him and they tossed him overboard. Listen, I don't think that whale was sitting there going like this. Ah. I have a feeling he hit the water. He tried to tread water for a little while. And then he began to sink. And if you read through the book of uh, the chapter 2, it talks about the billows overcoming him in the deepness and the darkness. I believe he sunk deep and dark. And just before he died, that whale came along and... And there was enough air in that whale's stomach for him to survive. God may bring you to a point the lowest point that you could ever be to get you to. In fact, that's what it took for Jonah. And many times that's what it takes for us. Look at chapter 2, verse 7. God brought him to this point when my soul fainted within me. Why was Jonah in that belly, the whale's belly for three days? Brother Donnie said it yesterday. He was stubborn. It took him three days to come to the point. Listen, he didn't pray for three days for forgiveness. 
God doesn't require a certain length of prayer. God doesn't, God doesn't require a certain set of words. God requires a broken and a contrite spirit. And he says, when my soul fainted within me, two verses later, the whale spit in him out. I do find it interesting that Jonah was trying to head towards Nineveh, and he went down to Joppa. But when he got out, it was only a three days walking journey from from Tarshish. This whole time, God was bringing him back to his will and to his purpose and his plan. Here's a question for you, a couple of questions. Are there signs of, in your life that you're running from God? I mean, you're here, but just because you're here, I can tell you from personal experience, it doesn't mean you're here. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're in the will of God. Doesn't mean you were seeking God. Doesn't mean you were serving God. It means you're filling a seat. Now, praise, I praise God you're all here. But God did not have me preach this message for no reason at all. Are there signs in your life? Are you neglecting the word of God or ignoring God's word in your life? Are you, are, are you, is there sin in your life that, you, that you're keeping hidden from all everybody else? Is God, uh, is, uh, are there, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is there, is there a neglect to uh, what God has commanded us to do? And listen, if you're not telling others about Christ, you are being disobedient or you're rebelling against God's commandment for us as Christians. Is there deliberate disobedience? You know what God wants you to do and you're refusing to do it. Are, are you uh, trying to get away from God's plan? Are you trying to ignore God's plan or purpose in your life? Are you trying to disregard uh, the correction God has in your life? Is he sending storms? Is he sending people? Is, he send, is the Spirit of God speaking to you? If that's the case, can I tell you, you, can't, not, you cannot get away from God. You cannot get away from God. That correction will come. That chasing will come. And if you still refuse, can I tell you, you'll end up where Jonah was. After three days, Jonah fainted within himself. If he had never fainted within himself, can I tell you what would have happened? He would have been digested by a whale and we would have never read the story of Jonah. God would have taken him home. May God help us to make sure that we're in his plan, following his purpose, studying and learning about his word and drawing close to him. God help us. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this, this morning, Father. I thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, if you're speaking to somebody's heart today, Lord, that uh, Lord, that they might have come to the end of themselves and that they might be willing to, to come to you, Lord, to seek your face. Lord, to turn from their, their sin, to turn from their themselves, and to follow after you. Father, I thank you for all you've done for us. I thank you for the, the fact that you are a God who gives us second chances. You're a God of grace. We ask for your spirit to have your way with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.